Hello, you're listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast. Whether you're at work, driving in your car, or getting your workout on, we hope and pray that what you hear today will fill your spirit. Come, join us as we walk through God's Word together. And, and, and that's where he intends for you to be encouraged. Are you ever in a season where you're walking by yourself? Most likely. But even then, you have a community of believers that are praying for you. But God never intended for us to walk alone. He always has provided a family. And everything you see in Scripture, it is for us to be a community and a family. And so please continue to remember that in this season. Um, and remember other family members, as I will always say, remember other family members who this is a difficult season for. And let's help to make that a joyous one as we come alongside them. Um, before I go on, I'm going to go ahead and dismiss our middle schoolers. Um, you guys can go ahead and he, look, here's the deal. If ever I do not, unless they're not having it that morning for junior church, if I somehow forget, they, they, they may be coming up with a slide that'll just remind you, but you are still free to get up and walk out. Parents, don't be mad at them. If you see them get up and walk out, it's because I forgot to mention it, and they did not forget. And so um, those of you who are here today for Junior Church, you guys can get up and walk out. We're continuing as we help us focus through this season. I'm going to jump right in. I know we have our business meeting afterwards, and so I don't want to be long um, this morning, nor do I have to be. Uh, we're continuing with our focus um, through Advent. As you know, that the word Advent, as we mean, means, you know, means coming, arrival, the, the, the coming of. And in this particular case, we know that it is the, the um, the celebration of that first advent, the coming of Christ. He has already come. And because he has come, we know that because we're sitting here today. You know, his coming was, was intentional because that is what would begin us being able to be restored to God. Um, there's a song that I was listening to this week, um, Hezekiah Walker. I, I, I love the phrase. I love the wording. It says, born to die. Um, because that's what he was. He was born with the intent of dying for our sins and so that we could be um, united with him. And so because of that, this season, we are also celebrating or looking forward to that second advent, and that is the return of Christ, physical return of Christ, and to where we will now be with him in his full intent when he brought us to himself, when he brought us um, to the Father. And so for us, as we remember that this time of year, we can get lost in a lot of the festivities. We can get lost in a lot of what's happening and what's going on. We can lose our focus. And so what I do at this particular time is to help us to shape our focus with talking about the reason for the coming of Christ. And so we looked at, first time, the whole issue of hope, because we know that our world is a hopeless one without Christ. 
We know that people are behaving in the way they are and living the way they do because they are without hope. And, and, and that was our status. That was our state. For those of you who have trusted Christ, that was our state before Christ. We were without hope and without God in this world. And so we saw that how true hope rests in not only knowing Christ, but living for him. That is your purpose. And in that purpose will allow you to be able to do any and everything that God has set out for you to do in this world. I've heard it said once, and I totally agree. I've even repeated that. In order for you to live well in this world, you must have an anchor outside of this world. If your anchor is anchored in this world, you have no hope because it can always be unanchored. But when your life is anchored in eternity and in Christ, you can weather any storm. You can handle anything. You can do anything because this world can't unanchor you when your anchor is not here. Secondly, we looked at then love because when we have this hope, then we realize it was because how greatly we are loved and it has nothing to do with us. We didn't do anything to be loved and, and there is nothing in us that made God love us. You should be excited by that. Because there isn't anything that you could do that would cause him to unlove you. And we looked at the scripture where it says, you know, and, and we were looking at that in study as well. You missed it if you weren't there when we talked about who can separate us from the love of Christ. And he goes through all the things that were there. And those were things that they went through. And it couldn't separate them from the love of God in Christ. And we went into detail about what that love meant, and we talked about it last week, and that you living out of being fully loved can live freely. And this week, as we get in, we're going to look at this whole issue of joy, joy to the world. I know it's a Christmas song. I know it's one that we sing only this time of year. I would love to, in the middle of the summer, I think we may do that, and have Sister Melanie and, and, and her team sing Joy to the World in July. And just flip everybody out. And they will say, what time? It, 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 but because it is not a seasonal song. It should be a life song. And Joy to the World, we'll look at today in three areas that we're going to look at about joy after we talk about what joy is. Number one, it will be joy because of. Then we're going to look at joy in spite of. And finally, joy instead of. Joy because of, joy in spite of, and joy instead of. And we're going to be looking at three particular passages, three portions of Scripture in that to help center our mind and our thoughts. God intends for us to have joy. Jesus said, he came that you might have life 
and that that life would be, depending on how you learned it, I learned it more abundantly. Some version says to the full. And then he goes on to talk about this life, that your joy may be full. So if the purposes of Christ coming, living, dying, resurrecting was so that you and I could have joy, we've got to ask some questions. Number one, what is this joy? Number two, do I have it? And if I don't, why not? Because that was his purpose. That your joy may be full. And I want to ask you this morning, is your joy full? Because God brought joy to the world when he gave Christ. And I know we hear that and say that, and it's a nice religious phrase. It's a great holiday phrase. But is it real in your life? Are you sitting here today saying, that sounds good, but that's not me? Or are you saying, yes, I am allowing that joy to permeate my life and to exude from my life? And what is this joy? Well, first, let's look at it first. What is joy? Because it is used throughout both old and new. And I know we've heard different things, you know, um, joy is not happiness because happiness depends on what's happening. Cute, sounds good. But understand, joy is this, is, is this settled state. As I look at Scripture, it is this settled state of well-being in spite of externals. It is this settled state of well-being in spite of externals. What does that mean? It means that I am okay it is the state of mind and state of being that says, I am good and I am okay. I am doing well in spite of whatever is happening outside. And so you could be joyful and everything lines up. You have all the things that you desire. Things are falling around you the way they should. They're all in place and you can still have joy. Because how many of you know that there are people that have all of those things? All of what they physically wanted, life is now set up around them, and, 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 and they are getting things as they thought they would at the stage of life that they are, and they'll still say, but something's missing. I've heard those testimonies. Something's missing. So this morning as we jump in, we really, we really want to be able to see. I got so excited with it, I didn't even pray. And y'all probably looking like, dude, like this dude just done jumped in? Ain't acknowledged the Lord and nothing? I got so excited because as I think about this, it is something that we don't hear a lot of. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, so we can uh, acknowledge the Lord as we get into his word. Father, we are so grateful that because of you, we have joy or we can have joy. Thank you, Father, that you've made it such that in the world where it seems hopeless and in a world where, where, where people are so unloving, Father, that you brought hope because of your great love that leads to joy. 
And I pray this morning that we would see it, recognize it, understand it as you have revealed it, Lord, so that we can embrace it and apply it to our lives and that we can demonstrate and display it. So, Father, we commit this time to you. If there are any in here that does not know you personally, may today be the, the day that that changes or that they move toward knowing who you are. Father, let us not leave not understanding and knowing how we can have or maintain joy. We ask for this in Christ's name. Amen. Turn with me to Isaiah 35. Verses 1 through 10, we're going to spend just a little bit of time there. But this, going back to what joy is, it is this. See, here's what I like. It's not this positive thinking. Everything's going to be okay because it may all be falling apart. It may all be unraveling. It may all be just one hurdle after hurdle after hurdle, pain after pain. You just may be catching it left and right. And you can still actually have joy. You've heard me say this a number of times, and I will continue to say this because it was a demonstration of joy I didn't realize until later as I, as I came to faith in Christ and began to grow that I recognized what attracted me to the faith in my mother was the fact that she demonstrated joy. I just remember saying, what is it with this woman that she always seems to be happy? There's not a whole lot around us to be happy about. And at that particular time, it wasn't too long before our family moved out of the public housing project that I grew up in, in Brooklyn, just because it had started to become more and more violent. It wasn't when I grew up there. My parents moved into there when I was two months old. And here I was now approaching sophomore in high school and had lived in the projects all that time and, 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 and watched it decline, you know, and watched the shootings start and watched the other stuff. But I used to say to folk, I love going home. And they used to say, dude, you live in the projects. I was like, no, 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 you don't understand my house. You don't understand the environment that my mother has set in this place. And that I enjoyed it. And that when we came inside that apartment door, on the 18th floor, apartment 18C. And we shut that door. I was in a totally different world than what was around me. And I realized how hard it was for her and for my father eventually, because he came to faith later, nine years later after her, and how she continued to walk this faith of hers out and I begin to see it, and I remember just one day just going, what is it with this woman in my mind? I'm just like, she is always happy. No, she wasn't always happy. She was settled that everything was still okay because she was in Christ. And in spite of what she saw, she continued to live out the life of Christ in front of all those around her. Joy. I saw the pain. I saw the hurdles that we had to climb. I saw the desires that went unmet. I tell people I had everything I needed, but I surely didn't have everything I wanted. But it was okay because I learned that from her. 
And see, joy helps settle others around you. But our world believes that if I don't have, if I don't attain, if I don't arrive to, if I don't get, if I don't acquire, if I don't, and you fill in the blank, that it all cannot be okay. I'll be okay when those are joy stealers and robbers. I'm going to suggest that you remove that from your vocabulary. I'll be happy when, no, I mean, you'll be glad when, you know, you know, such and such or if such and such as the Lord allows. But I'm here to tell you, you can be joyful right now if nothing else ever changes in your life if you are in Christ. You can be okay. Oh, will it be hard? You bet. Will you feel some pain? Probably. But will you be okay? Yes. If you've been in our study, you know when we said, why can we trust God? Number one, he is sovereign. Those in my studies know what we talked about with that. No one can interrupt. No one can overpower. No one can usurp the Lord's authority and strength. And so, uh, whatever he wants happens. And you say, wait, but hold on a second. What happened to me yesterday wasn't cool. You know, God knew that. And yet he still allowed it. And so that should cause you to be settled. No, I don't like it. But God, you know what's going on. We know in our study that he's perfectly loving. I mean, um, perfectly wise. I'm sorry, infinitely wise. And for those in our study, you know he has, he always has and knows the best possible solution for you and your situation at any given moment. He's infinitely wise. And then thirdly, he is perfectly loving, that he always cares. He cares so much that we are celebrating this time that he gave his best gift. We heard this last week, his best gift, which met our greatest need. And our greatest need was not physical. Our greatest need was not something in this world. Our greatest need came from out of this world and into this world because we needed a Savior more than anything else. So joy, that settled state of well-being, regardless of externals. So joy because of Isaiah 35. And this, again, the prophecy of Isaiah about the ransom and uh, about the return of the children of God, but it also spoke about the coming of the Savior and what he would do, not just for the nation of Israel, but for this world. And one of those prophecies that we, that had been used when Christ came throughout his time, and I'm going to read through it, I'm going to read through the whole thing, I want you just to hear the excitement, because understand that they would be judged severely. They would go through quite a bit because of their disobedience. And God would still ransom them. He would still buy them back. He would still save them. And that was a picture for you and I of our own lives. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The, the desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. 
The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God, and understand after such discipline and after such dry places, it says they shall see the glory of the Lord. Of course they would, because when Christ Emmanuel would come, God with us, they would see him. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With, rec- with the recompense of God, he will come and save you. And because of that saving, the next few verses are just amazing. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf, un- un- uh, of the deaf, deaf wow, okay, unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes, and a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way, even if they are fools. They shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come up on it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. This was not just for the nation of Israel. This was for the entire world. Do you see how he is saying, life as you know it, life before Christ, I like the dry, parched desert saying, if Those who read this understood it deeply. We don't live in that kind of environment. We have to go there to get a picture of it. But if you've ever been in any of the desert terrains or in this kind of environment, you would understand it deeply where nothing grows, of where if you get caught out there at the wrong time without enough resources and without help, um, that will be your last place that you would visit. Because it could not sustain life. And what he creates for us physically is this picture of our world spiritually. Life cannot be sustained here. Not eternal life. Oh, we we have physical life. But all you're doing, as one artist said, is breathing to death. You're just existing. Breathe in, breathe out. Inhale, exhale. Live life, get up, go through your routine. Or if you're you know, smart enough or resourced enough, you change up the routines every now and then. But ultimately, you are breathing until you stop breathing. And you entertain yourself in between. Maybe help a few people along the way, but there's no purpose. 
There is no plan. There is no hope. And what he says here is that parched desert, that, 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 that burning sand, they, they all change. The environment changes, not because they're in a different place, but because he comes in and changes it completely. It's interesting that our movies show us examples of that. We see movies in which evil takes over and it dries everything up. Did you notice that? Everything is gray, nothing is growing, or everything is cold and frozen over. And then one day for them when love breaks through, when truth wins over falsehood, when good wins over evil, in several of our animated movies, what you'll find is you'll see that the, the, the terrain changes all at once. It becomes green again. They're on to something that we should already know, is that when Christ is in your life, when God comes on the scene, that he changes what was dry and dying to that which is living and vibrant. But for many of us, even as Christ followers, if you were to look at our life, you would think it's, it's, it's still this desert. It's still dry. You're going through routines and there is no joy. There is there is nothing that is settled about you. You still are acting as if you are in the desert. Oh, you may be going through a dry time, but going through a dry time with a person who has life is different than you are living as if there's no life. Joy because of God fulfilling his promises to both the nation of Israel and man in bringing Christ, which should bring vibrant new life and growth every day for you and I. Do you see that growth, that vibrancy, that greenness in your life right now, regardless of what's happening? And if not, can I ask, why not? What is it that's causing there to be a lack of growth and green and vibrancy? Maybe it's you coming with an agenda and demanding your own way. Maybe you've turned from God and you think you can live this thing on your own. I got a better plan than God does, and I'm going to keep working at it until it works out. Or maybe for you, you've allowed some things that has happened to either distract you or anger you or cause you to think that God is not your answer. I need to find it somewhere else because obviously he's not doing it. He's taking too long. This is too painful. It's too hard. And God says you can actually have joy. Now, and that joy will cause you at times to be happy. But even if you're not, meaning feeling these, well, these the, uh, you don't have these feelings of elation, even if not, you can still be settled. I'm okay. 
and you live like that. Many times people say, I'm good, and they really don't mean it. But you can actually say, I'm good. But, bro, isn't, and you go, A, B, C, yeah, man. And isn't this, yes. Well, how can you be okay? Man, you don't understand. God's got me. And because I know nothing, nothing comes to me that hasn't first passed through him. Job gave us a picture of how it is for you and I. Stop giving Satan more power than he has. Stop talking about him like he's God's big foe. He's not. Yes, he's an enemy of God, but God is not worried for one second about him. You see no scripture where God is concerned about him when it comes to his plan. Where you see scripture is where God warns us to watch out for him, not because he can overpower God, is because he may convince you that he's more powerful than God. He may get you to save or to think like Eve ended up doing when he said, did God really say? You think that was the last time he said that to anyone? He's saying that to some of y'all all the time. Did God really say? Or he'll say, did he really mean that? Or he'll switch up definitions on you. No, see, God knows that if you do this, that he's forbidding you, he knows that you're going to be wise like him. He's playing with your ego. And what he's saying is, don't listen to God. He doesn't have your answer. I do. Or he'll say even best, it's inside of you. Listen to your heart. I'm going to tell you right now, don't you dare. The Bible tells us straight about the heart of man. Deceitfully wicked. What a description. It will deceive you with its wickedness. In other words, it'll make you think that you are okay and you are wicked. It'll convince you that you're all right when you're not. It'll convince you that that way is good when it's destructive. Your heart, that is. I know we got songs and movies and writings that'll tell you, listen to your heart. I would say, you better listen to Jesus and follow his word. So joy because of, joy in spite of, turn to James. Chapter 1, verses 2 and 4. So God came, James chapter 1, verses 2 and 4. Y'all know this. Count it all joy or consider it all joy. Some versions will say consider it an opportunity for joy. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So joy, because God has sent his Christ and changed the landscape, he's caused growing and, and, and vibrancy where there was once death. And now he says, you also should have joy in spite of, in spite of whatever is happening around you. Why? Especially 
when you are going through testings and trials of different kinds. See, we counted as something different than what God has called us to count it as. And the counting is the considering. Think about it. When you get into a trial and a temptation, let me tell you what I do. I go, really, Lord? Like now? Wow, man. I don't need this right now. Man, this is, this is so tough. I, I, you know what? I really don't want to do a test today. I just really wanted it easy, or at least just nothing, nothing difficult. But God flips it. He says in James, consider it an opportunity for joy. What? That's the last thing I'm thinking about. He says, why? Because he says, when your faith is tested, let me tell you what we've been taught by some people. God is trying to find out what you would do. Can, can I remind you, he already knows. Knew before it even got into there. God's not, God's not finding out what you would do. He's letting you know what you would do. Why? Because as he lets you see who you are, and you are tied to him, you begin to turn and change your life to reflect his ways, his desires, his word, his goal. And so you begin to change and you begin to grow. Trials and testings is for you and I. It's for you to see where your heart currently is. Don't be too discouraged if you blow it. Let that be a learning experience. I wasn't ready for that test. Just like in school, when they brought that pop quiz and you were like, pop quiz, what? Because it was to show you. I know it's also to show the teacher. That's where that example falls apart. But it's to show you, were you ready? And sometimes we go, no, not at all. Sometimes we go, I was doing okay. And for some of us, you ride on course, keep studying. But those testings and trials are for us. So joy in spite of, why? Because he says, opportunity, opportunity for what? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. In other words, it is that which you keep going, you keep pushing, you keep moving forward in the direction of the Lord regardless of what's happening. You dig in if your heart is pointed toward God. If you go, I'm out, Lord, I'm done with this. You saw something else as well. Your faith may not have been as strong, or as a matter of fact, you may not have genuine faith at all. See, joy in spite of what's happening because God is using it to reveal us to us. And in doing so, he changes you because he says steadfastness. It says, and let the steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect. And perfect does not mean 
sinlessly flawless. The perfect there is that you would reach your mature end, the intent of that particular test and trial. And complete, lacking in nothing. See, if you are going through a lot of tests and trials, God is saying, man, you need quite a bit. And I'm helping you to get there. I know we don't see it like that. God, why am I catching it? Because I got work to do on you. And I need you to be in on it. And so he does that. And he shapes us. And when we finish, if God has our attention, we are stronger, more mature, wiser, more humble, helpful. Come on, y'all. You know when you have gone through some of the darkest times in your life, you have come out stronger, more sensitive to the voice of the Lord, able to lean into him even more. See, it is at those times of ease when we are in most danger because we think, hey, I'm okay. I don't need to lean into the Lord. I'm good. Our wealthy and well-resourced, don't be jealous of them. It is difficult and sometimes even more difficult. And I can hear some of you saying, well, I'll take that difficulty. But it is more difficult because one of the things that the wealthy or the well-resourced have to deal with is self-sufficiency. And that is so dangerous for the believer. God, I'm good. I'm good. And when I'm good, I don't pray much. I don't lean into the Lord much. I don't read his word much. I don't share my faith much. But when I realize my great need every day, even if I have every physical need met with abundance and can help other people with their physical needs, when I realize my great need for him, I'm settled. So joy in spite of. I wrote this down. When you get through trials and temptations, you are being developed, not destroyed. You are being developed, not destroyed. You are learning to be confident in Christ instead of yourself. And then lastly, joy instead of, we've gone through this one, so I don't have to spend a whole lot of time in this. Turn to Luke chapter 2, verse 8 and 11. I mean, 8 through 11. I'm just going to read just that one part. We've read that before, and I mentioned it last week as well. And this is the account of the birth of Christ, part of that Christmas story. If I can get there. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And, the, I mean, and, and, around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people today. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I want to focus your attention on, 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 on verse, the end of verse 9 where it says, and they were filled with great fear. 
and that fear was awe, but also just sheer terror at seeing what they did. But God's intention was not great fear when he introduced what he did. His intention was what the angels said. See, they had great fear. Angels said, fear not. The reason I came is not to scare the pants off you. Although I know I just did. He said, I'm not here to bring great fear. He said, I'm here to bring great joy. Because you see that used there. He says, they were filled with great fear. Luke was intentional when he wrote this the way he did because he wanted it to be, he wanted to compare the two. They were in darkness as shepherds physically and spiritually as well because that was our world. And God interrupted that world and many times what it may bring is fear. That's not God's intent. God's intent is not to bring great fear. He says he's going to bring you good news, but the whole point is to bring great joy. I think at times we just get hung up on the good news. I got good news about Jesus, but understand that good news was for a purpose. Why? To bring great joy. This world lacks joy. It does not think everything is going to be okay unless they add you fill in the blank, unless I get, unless I have, unless I am. God says, "Mm -mm, I bring you good news that's going to lead to great joy. He said, really? What's the good news? Today, he said, is born a Savior. And for you and I, he says, instead of fear in this world, are you experiencing that great joy because you have embraced and you have entrusted yourself to Christ? Great joy. I love that. Not just joy, great joy. People, this is, this is for real. God is saying, look around you in your world. We have the most medicated society in probably forever, definitely for a long time. Because people are feeling hopeless and they are fearful. And they don't know how to solve that. And God says, I do. You don't have to live life medicated out of fear. Now, we, now I'm not saying medication is bad. No, it's not. When it's needed and where it's needed. But if it's covering up for a fearful heart and fearful life, God says, I can change that. You don't have to escape. You don't have to escape into some other drug use, whether it's alcohol, some other substance, or work or career, because some of us get ourselves intoxicated with work because that's my escape. We get ourselves intoxicated with education, that's my escape, with athletics, with relationships with people. Because I'm escaping so that I don't have to deal with my world. And God says, no, deal with your world. Because of Christ, he changes the dry, parched desert places and makes them lively and green and living again. Because of Christ, he takes your testings and he turns them into opportunities for joy because he's actually developing you, not destroying you. 
And because of Christ, he always has this news that is to bring great joy. Joy to the world. Are you experiencing uh, Are you experiencing it? Or are you just talking about it during the Christmas season? And like all your other decorations, you'll put that away when this time is up. See, your joy is meant for every day. And people are to see it. They are to experience. So like what my mother did to me, and I told her that years later. She didn't even know at that time. I can still see the moment that thought passed my mind as I was going down the way that apartment was in the projects was just this long hall with rooms off of it. And at the end, one end was the kitchen and at the far end was my room. And I was walking up and I heard her singing. I don't even know what song it was of praise in the kitchen, knowing what our environment was like at that time. And just said, what's with her? See, there is somebody watching you that they will see and go, why? How? I heard the testimony of a young lady who she said, I had been in all kinds of sin. And I was about to jump off into something far deeper. And a cousin of mine I saw at a family reunion, she said, just bothered me just because she just seemed so happy, and I couldn't understand why, how anyone could be so happy. And I pulled her aside and said, what's with you? Why are, we, why are you so happy? And she shared her faith in the gospel with her. And she said, it led me to Christ. See, your joy stands out like a green tree in the middle of the desert. And it's not just for you. It's for all those around so that they can ask that question, what on earth? And you can respond with good news of great joy. That's what God is calling for us. And so this season, yeah, go on and buy the presents. Manage your money well, please. Go on and have the festivities. Be safe. But let your joy shine through so that people may see it. Jesus puts it this way. Let your light shine before men that, the, that, that, that they may see your good works. And I love the attention because they ain't got nothing. But they may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. Let them rejoice to God because of watching you. Joy to the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much, Lord, that you give us this reason for joy, the settled state of things are okay, things are good in me, regardless of what's happening outside of me, because of Christ. And I pray, God, that you would help us to remember this is not some sort of positive thinking trip or looking on the bright side. Father, this is looking on the life side. You are the living God, and you have brought life. We have joy because of you fulfilling your promise to both the nation of Israel and this world that you would bring a Savior and change everything. 
We have joy in spite of, Lord, so that regardless of what we go through, you are actually using it to develop us. Oh, my God. You are causing us to grow, to develop when we think we're being destroyed. And then lastly, God, we thank you for the joy instead of fear that we have. Father, I am so glad that you tell us to rejoice in, in you always. And then you said, I'll say it again. It's worth repeating. Rejoice. Father, help us to live out that command every day, not because we're getting something physically that we want or something tangibly that we want, but because we've embraced you and we know you've got us. I pray this morning that we would not allow this world to infringe upon our relationship with you, but that we would demonstrate and display to this world that there is no one and nothing better than who you are. Let us have no substitutes, no idols of the heart that would come in between you and us. And, Father, may we live in such a way that people will ask us, why are you so happy? Father, and we'll be able to explain for them, explain to them the reason for our joy. Let us be known as people. You've been listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast, and we trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at solidword.org. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you next week. Of joy. In Jesus' name, amen.